Thank you for joining us in this very special broadcast. We will be hosting a longer edition of our program than normal, so grab your Bibles, pens and paper, and call a friend and pull up a seat. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you find yourself in the world. I'm your host, Nikki, with the What Do I Believe program, where we discuss the tenets of our faith. We talk to everyday people about what they believe and why. And today, this very day, we welcome a very special guest. And you know, you guys know I say this all the time, but we are privileged and honored to have Amir Safati, best-selling author, sought-after speaker, and president and founder of Behold Israel, joining us all the way from Galilee, Israel. Welcome, Amir. We're honored. We're very privileged to have you on the broadcast today. Thank you, Nikki. This is my honor to be on your program. And indeed, I am here in Galilee overlooking the Armageddon Valley. Nothing better than being here when we talk about the Word of God and especially Bible prophecy. Amen. Well, for those of you out there who do not know Amir, pull up a chair, pull out your Bibles, the kind with the maps in the back. You are in for a treat. As I mentioned, he is the president and founder of Behold Israel, an organization that provides tremendous insight and valuable resources in providing up-to-date and relevant, pertinent, and I might add reliable news and information about Israel and the Middle East, as well as prophetic insights within a biblical context. His own radical conversion to Jesus Christ, serving as the impetus for his passion to unveil Israel as it relates to these end times, has pioneered his over two decades of ministry, from his distinguished military service and role as Jericho's last deputy governor before Israel's negotiation and withdrawal from the city, and his subsequent career as an official tour guide and then CEO of a leading Israeli touring agency to large platforms around the globe, including conferences, speaking tours, and an ever-growing online teaching ministry. It's very clear that Amir has been raised up for such a time as this to provide a clarion call for the church to await her to the times and in preparation for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can regularly see Amir on a variety of Christian and secular news outlets and his own platform on YouTube, including his Telegram channel, Behold Israel channel, that's all one word, Behold Israel channel, as well as access his many books and resources at BeholdIsrael.org. And of course, we'll give those details again at the end of the broadcast. Thank you again, Amir, for joining us. Okay, so those of you who regularly follow us here on What Do I Believe know that the Lord has really been stirring my heart with regards to focusing on the times. And he's been shifting us in particular to examining Israel and paying attention to the importance of what scriptures say about the land and the region and what they mean to all of us as believers and those that need to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, including the Jewish people. And you know, a lot of people don't understand why that's important and how that pertains to who we are indeed in Christ. And you know what, you guys, you know, pull out those Bibles. Jesus said it himself in Luke, Luke 21, 29. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then he spoke to them in a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and you know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till 
all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Thank you, Father. And so why do we care? Why do we care when there's less than 0.2% of the world's population that's Jewish, or that's about 15.3 million people as some of the new data reflects? Why do we care? Why is this important for us? Well, let me tell you why. What do I believe is all about targeting our audience with helping us to awaken, perhaps not only to our new life in Christ, but how that translates to walking out our salvation in a godly way in the earth, because there are so many distractions. There's so much confusion. There's a lot of misguided information that just leads people astray. There's a lot of erroneous teaching and there's confusion, fighting, and all the theology that sometimes people just get caught in the middle. And you know what? Here at the What Do I Believe program, we want to help set the record straight. We want to stand for biblical truth. We believe in the Holy Spirit and we are clear on this fact. Jesus is coming for his people again and very soon. So in order for us to do that, we want to amplify sound teachers of good doctrine and prophetic voices that will sound the alarm. And that's why I've invited Amir today out of his extraordinarily busy schedule that he could come and be with us to talk about the importance of Israel and the end times. And you know, we could go deep dive into this and um, there's a lot of resources like I mentioned out here, but grab a friend, grab a Bible, send out the link, tell them, get on What Do I Believe with host Nikki. Today, I'm here with my guest, Amir Safati from Behold Israel. Okay. So brother Amir, this is how we like to start our program. We always often ask to talk about the sovereignty of the Lord and what he's doing in the earth right now. Can you tell us what the Lord has been speaking to you recently? Any words of encouragement, any prophetic insight that the Lord has laid on your heart? Well, the one word that is ringing in my ears for the longest time nowadays is the word deception. And I think the first thing that Jesus warned his disciples when they asked him for the signs of the end of the age was be aware of deception. Be aware not that no one will deceive you. And the reason why he said that, it's just like the Ten Commandments. All of them were written because these terrible sins were committed. Therefore, it mm. had to be said, do not do that. And deception is probably more rampant right now than any other time in history. And the reason is, is because it's social media enables it in ways that mainstream media before couldn't to that extent. And of course, before we had electronic media, it was even less because, you know, in those old days when people couldn't read, deception in the newspapers didn't work on them. But then they started getting educated and then television came. And the more and more and more advanced we get, in ways of information and technology, the more we find ourselves wandering off between tons of things that are surrounding us, asking ourselves what is true and what is not. Hmm. And uh, this is the one thing that the book of Daniel, in the last chapter of that book, Daniel is writing. And of course, Daniel is the, the end time to go to a place uh, in the Old Testament. And he says in verse four, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Mm. Uh, Daniel predicted that as technology will advance, that the term many shall go to and fro, the Hebrew word yeshotetu means they will wander off without any purpose. I mean, how many people are online every day doing nothing productive, watching mm. nothing productive, and they fill their minds and their hearts with so much garbage that there's nothing left for the truth. And so, as I said, 
the thing that I see now is deception, deception, deception. And, and the Lord has impressed on my heart to more than ever before direct people to the scriptures, to the Bible, because they won't find anywhere else the truth anywhere else. It's not going to be found in men's doctrine. It's not going to be found in universities. It's not going to be found in anywhere besides the Bible. And that is why we're so committed to teach the Word. And this is why, by the way, this coming January, I'm kicking off a new type of conferences that will travel all around the world. And that's called Revealing Revelation, where we're going to teach within one week in the entire book of Revelation. Again, here we are getting closer and closer to the very end. People should know what is around the corner and what thankfully the church will be spared from. But if you don't know, you'll never have a chance to be on fire because of the urgency of the time. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, listen, I hope you guys grab your Bibles and pull up because Brother Amir is dropping some nugget bombs on us today. If you're just joining us here with my guest today, Amir Safati of Behold Israel. You know what? This is going to be a really rich conversation. Now, I gave a little introduction, but for those in our listening audience who are just not familiar with you at all, can you just share a little bit about who you are and your ministry, your background, your training, where you come from. I know that could take a little while, but... I try to run through most of the, <laughs> the main points. Uh, I was born to a Jewish family. My parents divorced when I was very young. I grew up in foster care all my life, wanted to kill myself, literally. Uh, at the age of 17, I didn't think there was any hope in this world. I decided to give the world, the universe, one last chance. That was the week that I found out that my best friend in school is actually a Messianic Jew. I went to his home, uh, saw that they're praying, and they end up every prayer, Beshem Yeshua, which means in the name of Jesus. I started asking, started reading. I didn't get the Jesus component. I got the fact that there is the Bible and there is God, and I, you know I'm a Jew, so it makes sense. But then I, I didn't get this whole Beshem Yeshua the, in the name of Jesus. And then it wasn't until I was told to just ask God who Jesus is. That's it. Ask him. And so I did. And the next day I went to work and I found out that in the main newspaper in Israel, and one of the main pages, it was showing a big advertisement for the Jesus film of Campus Crusade. And it says Yeshua right on it. And, you know, I went to see the film in a regular movie theater in Jerusalem. It was only for a couple of days there. And that's when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, got back home, told everyone that they're sinners <laughs> and that they need a Savior. <laughs> and, uh, and, and again, I came to know Jesus uh, without even reading a single verse in the New Testament. I wasn't even familiar with the New Testament. I was familiar with the Old Testament. But again, Jesus never led anyone to believe with the New Testament. And so uh, didn't uh, Paul or Peter. It was the scriptures of the first uh, century was, of course, the Old Testament. It wasn't until a few weeks later that I started reading New Testament and everything. I joined the Israeli military, and then I, it's a long story, but uh, from someone who didn't want to serve in the army, I ended up an officer, deputy governor of Jericho, and one of the negotiators with the Palestinians when we pulled out of Jericho. I studied in the Hebrew University to be a licensed tour guide in Israel. It's a big deal. Not everyone gets the chance to graduate that one. And to be able to take groups and show them the country, very hard tests to go through. And simultaneously, I also attended School of Ministry in Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. And that's it. Got back home and I was working very hard guiding English and German speaking tours. And throughout that, I was invited to speak in churches and conferences across the world. 
Then I was promoted to be the CEO of a company. And before I knew it, it was time to step down and start over full-time ministry. And that's how in 2014, Behold Israel was born, registered in California as a nonprofit, 501c3. And since then, it enabled me to be much more active in both traveling, hosting groups in Israel, writing books, and doing online activity. And uh, COVID wasn't a bad thing for us as a ministry. It was an opportunity to expand our online reach and to use the time to everybody's home to, to talk. And, and we did a lot of Q&As and it was wonderful because people had so many questions and that was the right time to catch them when they're not busy anymore and give them Bible. And so this is it in a nutshell. Wow. Well, you know what? You just said a lot there. And you guys, listen, I know I'm going to keep thanking you, Brother Amir, for being here. But, you know, your ministry is so much like a prophetic calling. And Amir, again, has been raised up for such a time as this to hasten a banner of understanding to the body of Christ globally and to non-believers to bring awareness. Now, this is really important because these are the times that we're living in. The Lord's return is near. He's calling out that thing, raising up a standard and holding that beacon so that in these evil days, the truth may be seen. So listen, you know, as we're talking about Revelation and Daniel, um, there is a best-selling book out there that you guys need to go and grab. It's called Revealing Revelation. I've mentioned it before. Go get yourself a copy. Copies, give it away. It is an absolute must read, especially very easy to understand and to, to pass along. There's also study guides. So go ahead and get that book. Now, Brother Amir, we have a very broad listening base. Millions of people around the world are tuning in, and they may not have any idea at all about what we're discussing today. And that's really unfortunate because this is our Bible. This is what, what the Bible is talking about. But a lot of people aren't even reading their Bibles. And those out there who are young believers and are new in the things of the Lord are forming their understanding of the Bible and of the Lord from elsewhere. And they desperately need to secure an accurate view of the end times. Now, this might seem like a basic question, and I'm sure you probably get asked this all the time, but I'd like to announce it here. Can you tell us why an understanding of Israel and even these end times is absolutely fundamental to our biblical worldview of Jesus Christ and the scriptures? and for believers personally? Well, first of all, Bible prophecy is, is never about countries between themselves. It's always about countries and their relations to Israel. Israel is a key component in understanding the plan of God in the future. It's a key component in understanding the past. Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus told the Samaritan woman that salvation is of the Jews. Jesus will return as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus will reign from Jerusalem. The land will be once again divided to the 12 tribes of Israel in the millennial kingdom. He can absolutely not separate any portion of the Bible from Israel. And not because Israel is so good. It's because God is the one who created them for a reason and for a season. When I say for a season, we have to remember that Jeremiah 31 says that only when the sun, the moon, and the stars will cease from being there, then Israel will no longer be a nation before him. And the day will come, Nikki, when God will make all things new, new heavens, new mm -hmm. earth. And in the new Jerusalem, there will be no more need for the sun, the moon, or the stars, because Jesus will be the menorah, the light, the yeah. lampstand. And that is when, and the Bible tells us in Revelation, the only people that will reside in the new Jerusalem are those whose name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's no more Israel or Gentiles. It's just all those family of God. So until then, we have at least a thousand and seven years to go. 
seven years tribulation and a thousand mm. years millennial kingdom. And so Israel is a key component. And therefore, when the uh, disciples asked Jesus for the signs of the end, although he talked about global catastrophes and global events, he made it very clear that we need to look at the fig tree. Hosea chapter 9 calls Israel God's fig tree. Fig tree, uh, Nikki, is Israel's national privileges. There is the religious and the spiritual one that are the olive and the, of course, the vine. And to those, mm. the Gentile believers were grafted in. Therefore, yeah. a Gentile believer was grafted into the olive tree and the Gentile believer is also grafted into the vine because we share all the same. We, we uh, Our forefathers are now the same. Our scriptures are now the same. We have the same God. We have This is it. But when it comes to the national privileges of Israel, it's Israel's capital, Jerusalem. It's Israel's land. It's Israel's flag. It's Israel's language. These are the things that the nations are not, uh, they don't supposed to inherit uh, uh, right now. And therefore, when you see the fig tree, not when you are part of the fig tree, when you see the fig tree, you need to know that the summer is near. Lift up your eyes and, and look for your redemption is drawing near. Israel's the timepiece to understand what God is doing in this world. If you don't understand Israel, or if you have your teaching wrong about Israel, it's like a domino part that will make everything else falling. But if you got that one right, it's easy. Look, God, years ago when I started traveling around the world, God spoke to me and said, Israel is a litmus test. If they're wrong about it, they'll be wrong about the rest of their understanding of scriptures. And sure enough, I get to see that as I travel. And I get to see the two ends. I get to see those who hate Israel or replace Israel. And I get to see those who worship Israel and think that Israel is more than all the rest, which is also wrong. And I think that the problem is that we need to speak the truth about the fact that if in Romans 1, it says that Christ and the, you know, the gospel, of course, is the power of God to salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. Then also in chapter 2, it says that those who do evil, then of course, there will be judgment coming upon them to the Jew first and to the Greek. It's not just the good things, also the bad things. Israel was there as a showcase for the whole world. And every time God dealt with Israel, he ended up saying, so the nations will know that I am the Lord. In his mm. mind, he had all the rest of the nations also, that they will see the way he handles Israel, and they will also believe. Amen. Well, listen, if you're just joining us, we're here with my guest today, Amir Safatia, Behold Israel. We are talking about the importance of Israel in the end times. You know what? We're going to take a little break and come back with more from the What Do I Believe program in just a minute. <laughs> אז מלא יתעורר במדבר, כל קורא כאן במדבר. כולנו מחכים בציפייה שתתגלה לנו במלוא כבודך. אז ישמעו כי אדוני דיבר 
there it's nikki host of the what do i believe program airing right here on power of worship radio every wednesday at 5 p.m eastern standard time we love to hear from you our listening audience if this program has been a blessing to you and your family drop us a line at power of worship's contact page with the subject head wdib nikki may the lord bless you beyond measure Imagine a radio station that plays nothing but worship. A radio station where every song and every comment is woven together to create a worship experience. Now, imagine that experience 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We are your worship station. Power of Worship Radio. program where we're joined today here with my guest Amir Safati of Behold Israel. Listen, you guys, again, reach out to a friend, tell them turn on What Do I Believe on Power Worship Radio with Nikki. I am so privileged and honored to have him here. Okay, on the top of the break, Amir was sharing about just the whole importance of not just looking at Israel within this little microcosm, but actually seeing how as Christians, we need to have a a global view, as well as understand the specific importance of Israel herself as a nation, as a sign to the times. And so Brother Amir was talking about the fig tree, and I read that earlier. And I have this question for you. Why do you think, and especially for us, because we are Christians and our views and our worldviews and our basis is scriptural, and it comes from, really, it comes from the Jewish faith. So why do you think that so many Christians don't see the connection or they want to replace uh, that with something else? Why do you think that so many Christians have a vacant view of that? If you really, if we go to the Gospel of Mark, you see that when he talked about the fig tree in that connection, it was the third time after he already talked about the fig tree twice before, 
And there he definitely talked about Israel. So why would he talk about Israel in the first two times? And then the third time when he mentioned the fig tree, it won't be about Israel. That's, you know, you have to take things in the right context as well. Second, remember, these people in the first century never had the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, Israel was likened to a fig tree or to figs throughout Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Hosea. And therefore, this is exactly why, of all the trees, it was the fig tree that was mentioned by name, and then the rest of them. Because when you look at Israel, when you look at Israel, and the fact that he was born, and you look at all the other trees that they have accepted Israel now as a newborn state, when you see that happening, that is by far the single most important end times event besides the coming rapture of the church. I mean, you have to understand, for 2,000 years, the Jews were away from their homeland. For 2,000 years, everybody was sure God is done with them. They were actually sure God was done with them. You know, you read Ezekiel 37, and you see the valley of the dry bones. And the Lord says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, they say, they say, our bones are dry, our hope are lost, and we ourselves have been cut off. Mm. The Jewish people thought about themselves. There's no more hope. We've been cut off from God. Our bones are dry. That's it. We're done. Tell them, Ezekiel, no, I will bring them out of that graveyard. I will take them and I will place them back in their land, he said. I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. And nobody believed it's possible. I mean, when two-thirds of Europe's Jews is completely annihilated in gas chambers and mass executions in forests, and the world is keeping silent, when all of that is happening, and that is the most documented genocide in the history of planet Earth, and yet a nation came back to life after that. And yet their dead language came back to life after that. And yet the land that was dead, and in Ezekiel 36, it says, I speak to you, O mountains of Israel, Shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit for my people Israel, for they are about to come. God prepared the land in preparation for the coming of Israel. He prepared the language in preparation for the coming of the people. And then he took the remnant and physically brought them to the land to speak the language. You know, you cannot argue that this is God. There is no nation on planet Earth that it ever happened to it. Let me just conclude with one more thing. In West Point, they teach about, you know, warfare and history of battles and countries. And they cannot teach about the wars of Israel. They just simply cannot. Because none of our victories, whether it's 48, 66, 7, 73, none of them make sense. All of them were based on miracles. They're not based on tactics of generals and military ingenuity, nothing. So look, all I'm saying is this. I am here in the middle of a country that cannot be explained in the middle of people that cannot be explained, speaking the language that cannot be explained. All of this, if you take God out of the equation, it cannot happen. It is impossible. And yet here we are. So we are here as a monument to the promises of God that are yes and amen, to the authenticity, accuracy, and reliability of the scriptures, not of mankind, not of some analysts and some historian. No, don't listen to any of them. They know nothing. Read the word of God, and in the same accuracy that we see things having been fulfilled, we will also see things that are going to be fulfilled. Hmm. 
Wow. Okay, listen, I want to walk a little bit further down this road, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but, and as you're talking, as we think about the hot topics related to why people might have hostility towards Israel, historically, even now, there are two areas that stick out in my mind. And I believe, you know, just apart from the demonic plot of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy what is precious to the Lord, but this has to do with the notion of replacement theology and even just the physical land itself. And I really think it's important to discuss this as it connects with our cultures and our perception today and how it essentially boils down to a historical and biblical and geographical understanding of the land. I want to break up some fallacies here, and I'll ask this kind of in two two parts to kind of shed light for our audience. Okay, so when we're talking about Israel negatively is indicative. It To me, it reaffirms the scriptures. Even negative talk is just pointing towards the telling, the times that we're living in. I've had a lot of discussions with pastor friends, and it's really surprising to me, especially today, to hear a kind of a disregard or a kind of nonchalant or maybe ill-informed perspective about Israel and the land, and even the importance of the Jewish people, not apart from just, you know, everybody else, but just how that pertains to the times. Could you just shed a little light? I know we could go really long on this, but just quickly for our audience sake, replacement theology, what is that? And how does that address some of the fallacies that are cropping up here? Placement theology is the notion that the church is now the new Israel and that God has replaced Israel by the church. And therefore, all the promises that God had to Israel are now going to be applied to the church. And that's basically what replacement theology is, replacing one with another. Whereas nowhere in the Bible, it suggests that, you know, you can take something out of context and and build a whole theory out of it. But in order to establish something, you need to see consistency. You need to see that that's what God is saying here, here, and here, and here, and here. Not only one verse that was misunderstood or one word that was taken out of context. And in this case, when Paul wrote Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 10, explaining also about spiritual Israel, explaining also about the fact that we need to believe in the God of Israel, not just not in religion, but have a relationship. He knew there is a very, very great danger that the Gentiles will now think that he actually they are now the new Israel. And therefore, mm-hmm. he began chapter 11 by saying the following thing. He was very, very clear about that. Don't think for a second, that what I said earlier means that God is done with Israel. In fact, he said in chapter 11, So I say, then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. And later on, he even explained, he says, look, Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. And then look what he says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So Paul, understanding the very slippery slope that people can find themselves on Mm -hmm. by thinking that God has replaced Israel, Paul is very clear. God has never cast Israel off. And he said, look, through their fall, in order to provoke them to jealousy, salvation was given to the Gentiles. And if their fall was such riches to the world, how much more their acceptance will be, if not resurrection from the dead. He always made it clear, guys, yes, Israel has rejected Christ. He knows that. He knows that. He, he's the one who went to every synagogue to try to get them to believe. 
So if anyone knows about being rejected by the Jews, it is Paul. But it is the same Paul who gathered all the leaders of the Jewish people at the very last point before his crucifixion, before his death penalty. In chapter 28 of the book of Acts, he said the following thing. He said, after three days, he says, he gathered all the leaders of the Jewish people together. And so when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they then they examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. And then he says, for this reason, therefore I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with mm. this chain. Jesus is the hope of Israel. If Israel has been replaced, how can he be the hope of Israel? Yeah. So the future for Israel is very clear in the New Testament. Unfortunately, we have to make it very clear. There is no other way. The Jewish people will not have a pass because they're Jews. They must accept Jesus. They must believe in him because he's the only way, the truth, and life. And when he will return, the Bible says in the book of Zechariah chapter 12, when they look at him whom they pierced, then they will mourn and cry because that's, that's repentance. And that is why Paul said, then all Israel will be saved. Mm, praise you, Lord. Listen, if you're just joining us, we're here on the What Do I Believe program. We're with my guest today, Amir Safati of Behold Israel. Now, um, I want to kind of shift just a little bit slightly here. Why do you think, given all that what you said, and even now we have, you know, the battle with the Christian space of replacement theology. And again, our purpose here is to kind of break up some of those fallacies and the things that are cropping up right now and in the media. And it's not that we're trying to be a defender necessarily. We do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for Israel. And I really liked what you talked about in terms of making the distinction between um, or even just this kind of idea that it's not Israel apart from everybody else, but it is a part of understanding what the actual word declares. But why do you think that so many people compare Israel with the former South African apartheid system? And of course, for those of you out there who don't know about apartheid, apartheid was the old regime of the segregation in South Africa. How would you say that this is definitely not the case? And do you think that this has anything to do with the whole replacement theology and, and how that's come into play? Well, first of all, when you fall into the narrative of the Palestinians, then you will obviously demonize Israel and make it look so bad. But in reality, a country with apartheid cannot have an Arab Muslim as a Supreme Court judge and an Arab Muslim as a minister in the government and an Arab Muslim as a general in the military and an Arab Muslim as in every government office that you can think of. Most of our doctors in hospitals, many of the nurses in hospitals. I mean, it makes no sense, of course. Um, so I think that the way, I mean, the reason why they have a problem with that is that they have a problem with our very existence in parts of the land. And then, of course, because we are there, in their mind, we shouldn't be there. Therefore, this is it. You see, the idea of the apartheid originates from the fact that there are the locals and there are the Europeans that came and they wanted to rule over the natives, the locals. Well, that's how they paint us. But in reality, that's not the case. Most of the Arabs that came to the land of Israel came as a result of the Jewish immigration into the land. And not 
not that the Jews came and the Arabs were here. If you read carefully facts, by the way, the book that was written about it is called From Time Immemorial, written by Joan Peters. She was a Jewish journalist, I think for CBS, appointed by the Carter administration to go and, and write a book that proves the Palestinian case. Well, when she was exposed to the numbers and to the figures and to the facts from the UN, from the British mandate and the even Ottoman Empire, she was shocked. She returned the advance payment from the U.S. government. She said, you can keep your money. I will write the book, but I will write the book based not on what you told me to, but what I now know that it is. And they shunned her, of course, and excommunicated her. But just so you know, all the numbers, all the facts, even Mark Twain, who shows up in the 1860s, wrote a book, a journal, and he says, when we were in this area, we haven't even seen a single living soul here. It wasn't like the land was filled with Arabs and the Jews came and took their land. I will even surprise you that in the early 1900s, it is the Arabs that were ready to sign a deal with Israel, whereas Israel is for the Jews and everything else is for the Arabs. Yeah. They actually were willing to sign it, knowing that the Jews returned to their ancestral homeland and they develop it, which was a great blessing to the Arabs that now can come and work for them. So all of that, look, when you paint someone as a foreigner who comes to a land that is not his, the road from there to apartheid is very short. But who is the one who brought us back to this land? What is it that the Bible says in Ezekiel 37? I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. I will take you out of those graves and I will place you back in your land, he said. No, my grandparents never wanted to come to Israel. They had great life in Poland. But the Holocaust took place and they realized there is no place anywhere but the land that was designated and prepared for them before, uh, historically. And so, again, the premises by which they, those people who call apartheid are following are all based on the notion that we are the foreigners who came to take the land from its original inhabitants. And again, if you understand the Bible, you know, obviously, that it's not true. But even if you don't, Joan Peters was a Jewish journalist. She was not a Bible-believing Jew. She was exposed to numbers, to figures, to facts. And even that was very clearly disputed. I want to urge people to listen to my YouTube channel, a message called The Deception of the Nations. This is where I'm following all of these things and exposing numbers and facts and all of that and proving that biblically it is wrong. Okay, you guys, check that out. Deception of the Nations on Brother Amir's YouTube channel. Now, here's a related question. And of course, this is kind of swirling in the media. And uh, I really personally feel like it's just a lot of a big smokescreen to other things. But, you know, the media is storming uh, celebrities and people speaking out about Jewish people and anti-Semitism. And, you know, there's been this kind of uptick. I mean, I don't think that's not necessarily new, but in the climate, especially here in America, where people are very sensitive about a lot of things and, you know, know, in some spaces, rightfully so. But I don't want to mention any names in particular, but I'd like to get your view about why there is this kind of, I wouldn't say uptick, although it appears to be that way. Um, but then there's like a kind of, you know, there's these spaces where group against group, person against person. And I feel like it's a bit of a distortion to distract from other things. But, you know, celebrities specifically kind of speaking out against Jewish people. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. But what do you think about that? 
I think that we have to be very careful in the way we approach this because it's definitely the works of the enemy, of Satan. Because what he does, he's taking conservatives, he is influencing them with demonic doctrines, and by doing that, he is tainting all the conservatives. And therefore, we have to be very careful here because I don't think all conservatives are holding the same opinion, but I think it's very easy now to paint all conservatives as Nazis or neo-Nazis or Jew haters and all of that, which is not the case. Um, I will tell you this, when you see not only what they say about the Jews, but also what they say about Hitler, what they say about the Nazis, how they praise them, how they think they're great, how they great innovators, great people, you know that it has to be demonic. You know that it has to be some mental thing because no one in his right mind can ever, uh, you know, I guess, admire Hitler for anything. Hitler never invented anything besides one of the most well-documented genocides in the history of the world. That's it. But I will tell you that it all starts with the fact that the world is making a great distinction between Judaism as a religion and Israel as a nation. Mm. And when you break them apart, it's easy to love this one as long as you are not this one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas God, in his word, when he sent Abraham out of his land to a place that he will show him, he never ever said to him, I will make you a great religion. He never ever said to him, you will be loved by all nations for your religion or your religious ideas. He said, I will make you a great nation and you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth, also nations. And it has to be very clear. If you love the Jew but hate Israel, it is a form of anti-Semitism without even you knowing that. Mm -hmm. Because you accept only one part of us as long as we're not that which actually is our destiny according to the plan of God. God never, ever said to Abraham anything about religion. The really, In fact, religion is the problem. In fact, mm. if Jesus came to say anything to the Jews, is that their religion is wrong. <laughs> is that the religion is the problem. Is the mm. religious leaders that didn't like him. Jesus came to say, repent. It's not about religion. It's not about tradition. It's about a relationship. So what is the world doing now? Falling in love with the religion but rejecting us as a nation. Mm -hmm. And it started 200 years ago when the Mm -hmm. the emancipation of the Jews in France, because up until then, Jews had no rights anywhere. And the emancipation of the Jewish people in France was on one condition, deny your national aspiration and accept the fact that you will only be accepted as a religion. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that it works, you know, even until today. To the point that the Jews began to convince themselves that we are just a religion. Therefore, millions Mm -hmm. of Jews still live in America, not understanding that their destiny, their biblical calling, has never been to be a religion somewhere else. In fact, if you read in Ezekiel chapter 36, God says that one of the greatest offenses that he can have from Israel is the fact that they are elsewhere. Is the fact that the nations are saying, aren't these the people of God? What are they doing here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It should be where he designed them to be. And so the enemy very, very skillfully crafted a new way of anti-Semitism that actually the people don't even think that they are. You know, love the Jews. Look, after what that celebrity said, everybody says, I am supporting my Jewish friend or my, the Jewish people. No one said I support Israel. No one. They only said my Jewish friend, my Jewish people, the Jewish people. Because again, it's easy to just appreciate one part and reject it. 
the main part. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I, I'm just telling you, you know, it is bad, but unfortunately predictable. You know, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into this, but how does that relate to often talking about the lost tribes and those that are not necessarily, you know, how Israel as a nation even accepts people with the law of return and what it really means? I've seen your videos on, you know, the distinction or even if there's a distinction between, you know, the the person and the culture and the religion. You know, I've always kind of wondered about that, but even just how that plays into who actually is a Jewish person and who has the right to return to Israel and to be considered a part of the land? Well, you know, as you saw in the interview that I had, when you don't acknowledge the need for the Messiah, and you think that you can establish things by ways of making non-Jews Jews, just by, uh, you know, by ways of doing certain things, following certain rules, marrying certain people, then you miss out the whole thing. You know, there was a sort of a competition in the first century between Messianic Judaism, the Jewish followers of Christ, and the rabbinical Judaism. And so we see that in that interview that made it very, very clear. But still, up until today, forget about that. You can even test on a DNA, a simple DNA test will show you of Jewish heritage. Because Judaism is not just a religion. To be a Jew is ethnicity. It's an mm. ethnicity. Thing. You know, I can now take a test. In fact, I can show you, I have it done, a DNA test, and it will prove to you, if you want, where my ancestors are from. And all the Jewish people, where it's from Western European, Eastern European, or Sephardic Jews, or whatever, they all have the same DNA. It can be proved even through that. And so all I'm saying is, to say that the Jewish people today are not the real Jews and the real Jews are all other people and these are fake Jews and they are the real Jews, you know, go to Hitler and ask Hitler, who are the real Jews? Because he was after them. He was hunting them. He was convinced that only when I get rid of them, Hitler did not admire the Jews and kill the fake Jews. Hitler wanted to kill the real Jews so there will be no more Jews. He never went after anyone who claimed to be the real Jew. No, he never did that. He went straight to those whom he knew they are Jews, those who have been Jews for the longest time. And it didn't help them, even if they said, no, we were not Jews. No, we, no, no. As long as you have Jewish parents, as long as you have Jewish tradition and Jewish background, that's it. You're supposed to die. That's it. You're supposed to be executed. So I'm saying the Jewish people know exactly who they are. They know who they are. And Israel is accepting Jews from Ethiopia, is accepting Jews from India, some Jews from other parts of Asia. We're accepting Jews from, um, you know, people who come from South America, from North America, and from Europe, and from all over the world. They're coming. They're returning. The law of return is very simple. If you have Jewish background, and you're considered even partially a Jew, then this is, you can get automatic citizenship, because there's no country on planet Earth that is a homeland for the Jews beside Israel. That's it. There's many Muslim countries, Arab countries, many Christian countries, many Hindus, many, only one Jewish. And that's it. And it's funny because nowadays, everybody's talking about the two-state solution. But what you don't know is that they offer an Arab state, a Palestinian state, yes, and a mixed state. Of the two, none of them is Jewish. They don't offer a Jewish state for the Jews. They offer one where there's Jews and Arabs, and one that there's only Arabs. That's how it is. When you say the term Jewish state, they will immediately say it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. And so thankfully, we don't have to depend on what our neighbors say. We need to depend on what our God says. 
Amen. We are against mm. all odds. Mm. Well, you know, I want to ask you this question here. What is a good starting point? And you've mentioned a few of your resources there earlier, the deception of the nations. But, you know, there's a lot of people who might be listening to this and varying views. And of course, we have a very broad demographic. But, you know, there's something that really that I've noticed that seems to be lacking. And it is a diversity of understanding when it comes to this particular subject in particular communities, in Christian communities, in the Christian diaspora. And um, that's one of the reasons why I want to talk about this. And I want to provide a space, a safe place, a place where there's informed understanding, but where the Holy Spirit is guiding us and leading us. And we're going back to his word because we truly are not Jew or Gentile, but we are the people of God and the kingdom of God. And yet he also shows us a people within a people because his plan is to bring a particular focus to bring us out, to take us in. And so that example for me of Israel and the fig tree and all of it just signals to me his great profound love for his creation and those that will come under his covering. And so he always made a provision within that space. And so for those pastors and leaders that are dealing with not only the pain of disinformation and misunderstanding, and you know, especially with swirling here with various groups of people, people. And you guys, I don't get into all the politics of it all, but it's very important that we have an informed understanding. Now, you know, there's a lot of pastors out there. There's a lot of people that are hurting, you know, from this stuff. And I just want to kind of speak to ways that pastors from various communities, maybe African-American, Hispanics, you know, just all over our different Asian communities that maybe don't know how to navigate this subject or feel maybe disenfranchised because, you know, obviously whole groups of people have experienced genocide and maybe not just like the Jews, but there are certainly groups of people that I can identify, you know, with that genocide. And so what would you recommend to bring that disconnectedness and that understanding so that we can move forward in a way that is not just neglecting the truth or, you know, stepping away from being clear and true, but also understanding and bringing the Lord's heart and his grace and his mercy to the conversation? Well, I think that, first of all, evil is in this world and genocides are everywhere. People are killing. I mean, imagine what's going on right now in Ukraine. Imagine what's going on right now in Iran. Imagine what the the hardships that even people in Brazil are going through right now. There's so much that is going on now. And of course, no one has ownership over genocide or suffering or whatever. But I also want to direct people to the scriptures. I think that the biggest problem of the church nowadays is biblical illiteracy. The biggest problem of people nowadays is that they just don't read the Bible. They yeah. don't speak time with the Lord in prayer. And therefore, they're ignorant. Therefore, they're so easily persuaded to go to different places. They let politics become their religion. They let partisan policies becoming their religion. And mm. therefore, I say, if you really want to stay out of politics, but still be in the center of God's plan and understand God's heart, then go to God's word, as simple as it, as right. it is. And, and I'm committed personally, to write as many books as I can about it, to give resources regarding Israel and replacement. There's a whole book and study guide called Israel and the Church, which is all about that. I'm committed to travel and teach. I'm committed to be online and bring people to Israel and teach them here to see with their very eyes what's going on here. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, again, the key is being in the Word, because right. whenever you're away from the Word, you're full of the world, and there's nothing good in this world, honestly. That's right. For me, I can talk and talk and talk and refer you to so many 
so many sources, but bottom line is, if it's not something that is based on the Bible and it's from the Bible and can be found in the Bible, it's a waste of time. Mm. All right. Well, you know what? As we close today, I just want to ask you one more final question. If you could offer one phrase that you would want for people who are listening right now to remember and to carry back to their friends, their Bible studies, their communities, wherever they are, about what they have heard today, what would it be? Uh, it would probably be, I guess, be in the Word. Be in the Word. Honestly, everything we talked about today is problems that are normally caused by people that are not in the Word. When I wanted to tell you God's opinion about Israel, I went to Scriptures. When I wanted you know, to talk about the fig tree, I went to Scriptures. I mean, be in the Word and less in the world. You know, less time on things that matters less and more time on things that matters most. Again, mm. I will never, ever stop telling people that the best book they can ever read that will always reward them and will always make them smarter because it's wisdom here. There's wisdom. There's understanding. You can glean gentleness. You can glean much grace. Look, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I guess rejoice. Let your gentleness be known because the Lord is near. Philippians 4 verses 4 and 5. Why is it? that today more than ever before the church is not happy and not gentle hmm. and here we are closer than ever to the return of the lord so wow. when we are in the word and we are in god's heart basically then we get that gentleness we get that joy look the world around us is very depressed and if we are depressed as well what is it that we're going to tell them what difference can we make in this world if we act worse than the world but mm. if we rejoice and if we're gentle because we know that the lord is coming soon the world is going to ask why how can you rejoice when the world is falling apart is because the lord is coming soon and i'm not going to attack you and chew you up and i'm not going to be uh, violent i will be gentle i will be just as the lord commanded me to be Amen. Well, you know what, you guys, this has been an amazing time with our guest today, Amir Safadi of Behold Israel. And I just want to echo that, you know, you guys, what do I believe exists to bring the truth of Jesus Christ to a world that is needing it, to you who are listening all over the world. And I know some of you probably are, maybe this is your first time hearing this, and there's a lot of uh, resources. And in fact, if people want to learn more about your work, your ministry, and or resources, how can they connect with you, Amir? Well, BeholdIsrael.org is our website. Through that website, they can find all the books, the study guides, the DVDs. Uh, all of them are there. They can also see where I'm teaching around the world, when is that we are having Israel tours or tours in other Bible lands and conferences and all of that. It's all on our website. Of course, through the website, you can find our presence of social media as well on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, Telegram and Instagram. So follow us and we really would like to invest in you as much as we can uh, with much knowledge and spiritual growth. And they really do. You know, I've been looking at this myself and um, there's so many resources. So go out there, go to BeholdIsrael.org. Also, please follow Brother Amir on his Telegram channel, Behold Israel channel. That's all one word, Behold Israel channel. You can also find many, many, many of his resources out there. There's tons of it. Also, I want to draw your attention. If you're young and you're looking for a place to learn, you feel this kind of tug, I want to encourage you to look at their webpage at um, their Yad, Y-A. 
AD ministry for young adults. And if you want to be in a community where people are learning and growing, it's a safe space for your young people or if you're young yourself and you want to learn more about Jesus, you want to learn more about Israel and not just about Israel, but also just who Jesus is, I want to encourage you to go there. They have meetings, monthly meetings where they meet together and pray for kids, young people all over the world. It's really pretty amazing. Also, they have lots of tours and things. So I want to encourage you to direct your attention over there. Also, get Brother Amir's book, Revealing Revelation. It's going to change you. It's going to help you. And there's a lot of really good nuggets in there, Revealing Revelation. Get it for a friend. Send it out. Do what you can to support this ministry. But anyway, thank you again, Brother Amir, for being here with us today. I would just like you to please just close our time out in prayer. And if you wouldn't mind, could you pray the ironic, I know people always ask you to do that, but the ironic blessing over us as well. Father, we thank you so much for the time that we got to spend looking into your word, drawing from it, and only from it, wisdom and understanding of who you are and how you deal with your people uh, and in the world. And Father, we thank you that uh, we can only rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit in us to show us uh, and guide us to all truth. And uh, your word is truth. And we know that if we are not in your word, we'll never be finding ourselves in the truth. We thank you and we bless you for the time that we had. I pray that every listener will not be lazy, but will go online and find more and read more and grow in the knowledge and the understanding of who you are and what is your plan for your people Israel as well. Again, I thank you for Nikki and for this awesome ministry, for this radio station, and for all the listeners today. And uh, I will conclude with the ironic blessings from uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you his peace. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. And listen, if you have any needs and you'd like to call in for prayer, if you're listening today, maybe you just heard something from the very first time, we are standing by. The number to call for Power Worship Radio is 347-339-1765. That's 347-339-1765. I hear you guys. I'll say it again. 347 347- 339-1765 or go to www.powerofworship.net and reach out to us there on my contact page at WDIB Nikki. You can reach out to me. Also, if you're looking for a regular place to be encouraged, please go to Sister Barbara, Barbara Clem Ministry. She's been with us around the table many times for the Living Word. She meets every Thursday at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 1030 Eastern Standard Time. This for an uplifting word of encouragement. Again, 7 p.m. on Thursdays and Sundays, 10.30 Eastern Time. The number to call is 1-971-224-6622. One for outside of the country, 971-224-6622. The code is 126-732-126-732. Thank you again, Brother Amir. And this has been the What Do I Believe program with your host, Nikki. Until next time. You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am 
out there, it's Nikki, host of the What Do I Believe program, airing right here on Power of Worship Radio every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We love to hear from you, our listening audience. If this program has been a blessing to you and your family, drop us a line at Power of Worship's contact page with the subject head WDIB Nikki. May the Lord bless you beyond measure.